The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello. We were just talking about tennis. Yeah. And uh, when we're recording this, it is uh, Saturday. So the women's final of the Australian Open, which is the big first tennis tournament of the year. Um, uh, the Williams sisters are playing, which I've is amazing. Them. Serena and uh, Venus Williams playing, I think, in their eighth Grand Slam final together. And in the men's final, uh, Roger Federer is playing Rafael Nadal. Uh, the two greatest modern tennis players of our era, but two guys who were, you know, I mean, you'd argue that Andy Murray and um, uh, who's the other guy? The old, the, the, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm not a great tennis player. Uh, Pete I, Sampras? No, not Pete Sampras. Yeah, Jim Courier, right? Andre Agassi. Andre Leconte. Has Jim Courier, Henry the Cunt. Has Jim Courier, like, we'll, we'll get back to, you know, yeah. tennis. Ah, uh, well, you know. We started talking about because I went last week. Yeah, we I were talking about it off air and we decided to start. I haven't been to the tennis uh, in like probably a decade and, and haven't watched that much of it. But I, you know, I remember Jim Curious was getting into special comments back when I stopped watching. And then I was so surprised to see him there because he has such a laconic style. Sometimes I don't even know if he's conducting an interview. He's aged well though, I'll say. Yeah. Like I reckon he, like particularly for a, like a blood nut, you know, he's like red hair, pale skin, still looks pretty good. I reckon Jim Courier. Like yeah. I was looking at him last night on the telly because he's one of those guys where I don't mind when he's laconic. And I like. But he's, what do you mean? And he's when, tennis. When, when, when he's he's always laconic. Well, Does he ever get out of like, like first gear? Here's what I would say. I reckon there's three Jim Couriers when it comes to his commentary. I like this. Uh, the first one is laconic Jim, like you know, courtside <laughs> interview Jim. You know, yeah. Everyone's a mate. Everything's relaxed. Yep. Are we really having a courtside interview, or are we just having a chat? Yeah. Uh, the second one is uh, actual tennis commentary Jim, who doesn't come out all the time, but. He's an amazing thinker about the game, and when he actually, you know, stops being laconic, and the other one, then he he's a he's pretty astute, I reckon. And then the third one, and this is the one that I'm not as fond of. Cheeky Jim. Yeah, comedy Jim. <laughs> comedy 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 Jim Courier. Yeah, yeah. Well, that guy. He is. He's a little like. I think he's been lulled into because I've said this for years. Yeah. Two easiest audiences in the entire world: your wedding. And the tennis. Yeah, definitely. Like, the tennis audience. Oh, my God. Like, Th- any are, ball boy play, anything where you, like, in the old so days when you could grab a champagne. Man. It's crazy. I mean, anything. Sitting where I was, like, I'd forgotten how, like, it's, it is such a fucking um, evangelical feeling. People who go to tennis love tennis players. Like, the amount of people who called out, I love you, Fed, during right. that game. All men, mind you, which is fine. Yeah, good. But mainly. Progressive. Yeah. But there tennis was, is a safe zone. But there was, <laughs> but there was this thing of you're right. Anything that happened that was slightly out of the ordinary was cause for a round of applause. Like the ball hits the net and just bounces in. It's like whoa! Oh, <laughs> it's like oh, well, you know, that's and bound to happen at some point. It's interesting to me about tennis and like golf. I guess is a little bit the same. Is that that idea that when you're and I think this is why I've never really. 
enjoyed. I, I think I've been to the tennis. I, I'm not even sure. I can't even remember if you I've ever been. You don't strike me as a tennis guy. I'm not really because it's a guy. summer thing. You don't strike me as a summer guy in any kind of part. Cricket, I guess, but even then, I see you. I like, like watching cricket. Yeah, from the shade. Yeah, yeah. You're not a sit bar. out in the seats and like you know. No, no, I'm not. That's absolutely right. Gold singlet. No, and tennis. Well, here's the weird thing. Okay, we're all over the place, but. <laughs> I, I'm sure I do somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I've been sent one. I think I got sent one by the Australian cricket team or the Australian uh, football team, soccer team at some stage, like a jersey with my name on it yeah. when they were trying to get me involved. It must have been soccer because if it was cricket, I actually probably would have gone, oh, that's very cool. <laughs> but I think it was it was during as the World is, Cup. Ramona was using it yeah. as a piss rack. Yeah, I was just like, well, thanks for that. But <laughs> even having my it own name on the back of moisture, a jersey. Right? Yeah, right. Soaks up perspiration. <laughs> it'll soak up dog piss, right? Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> Good luck in the World Cup. But I... <laughs> no disrespect. No disrespect. Oh, that was all disrespect, I'm yeah. pretty sure. I mean, no disrespect meant plenty offered. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I'll tell you my little tennis journey. So, I never played tennis because in my town, because my dad had been such a good cricketer, we were a cricket family, yeah. and you were, you were either cricket or tennis. So, you'd play AFL in the winter, and you'd play cricket or tennis in the summer. That was basically what happened where I was from. And we were a cricket family, not a tennis family. And then one, uh, probably when I was about 13 or 14, I went to a, in the summer, just like a, I guess in retrospect, it was just one of those things that your parents send you to because they want to break from you for a couple of weeks. But I went to this like uh, sort of tennis camp and I think it might've gone for a week or something. Mm. And so every day you went for like four or five hours and they kind of taught you tennis and then like, you know, developed certain skills and then you started playing. And, and when did they molest you? After lunch? Fourth day. Yeah. I believe it was the fourth day. They called it the change of ends. They said, this is ball boys. I, I couldn't watch it for years because I had trauma. That was the problem. Sorry, now we have to put a trigger warning at the top of... Uh, but so I... So again, you know that I am... Uh, I'm, I'm the sort of person who's not going to overinflate my sporting abilities or achievements. Um, I played cricket and I was at my very best... Like at the very on my very best days, mm. good enough. Yeah. Like you know, like I made some B grade teams in local competitions. But mate, you're talking of the captain of the uh, under twelve B twos, which was not even second level. We're a level below second. Made a lot of gritty thirties. You I know did. what I mean? I was. That was when they had to retire. Yet to retire at thirty, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they would send you back in if everyone else got out and there was enough time. They'd send you back in to save your side. But uh, yeah, I was the same. I was. A, I was. I had no footwork as a batsman and I was probably the most ineffective, unexciting bowler is a medium pace left arm. So that makes it a bit interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, that's good. But medium pacer. Yeah, like yeah. I wasn't, I was neither fast and I couldn't spin the ball. So I was a medium pacer. I tried everything in bowling. Really? Like I bowled finger spin. I bowled leg spin uh, because I was tall. That Everyone tried to fingers. convince me to... So you could actually get the... The purchase you need. I mean, theoretically, Charlie, yes. All right. And in the same way, theoretically, I was a big guy, so I should have been able to bowl really fast. Yes. But I couldn't. I could bowl fast, and I, I would say I was a. You could bowl your spins really fast. Yeah. Yeah, but not, but not fast enough to be a fast bowler. I was like, I tried everything in a desperate effort to be good at it, and it just never came naturally Is to your me. Father ashamed of you. I mean, probably for a range of reasons, Charlie, but you know, I think like, I mean, he loved cricket so much, but he also had had such a natural aptitude towards cricket. Yeah. Like my dad was a, a good, uh, a good country footballer, but he was a, in my understanding from what I've been told is, I mean, he won an order of Australia medal a couple of years ago really? for services to cricket. What have you ever done? 
Um, I mean, I, I ask myself that question <laughs> regularly. Yeah, like my, my, grandfa my grandfather won an Order of Australia. My really? father won an Order of you Australia. You are a huge disappointment to your ancestors. Well, ironically, I have osteoarthritis, which is the same abbreviation. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> we all have OAs. Yeah. Mine just means that I can't well, get I've up very quickly. I watched the OA on Netflix. So. I went to see my dad get his... We'll get back to tennis. Yeah. I went to see my dad um, uh, get uh, receive his Order of Australia medal. It was like... Uh, I was very, very proud of him. And they asked... They had one... Well, he could bring my mum and one other guest. And they asked if I would like to go along. And I was so proud. I was like... So I was at, um, uh, what's that beautiful, Rip and Lee, I think, oh, yeah. you know, in Amazing. the, in, so beautiful estate. estate in the like botanic gardens sort of all, no, yeah, is it, yeah, right. yeah, it was not right. botanic gardens, but it's a, it's a, it's a, pri it's a private estate that yeah. they now open to the public and it's beautiful old like building and swimming pool and green, it's like a greenhouse or something and a waterfall and a pond. It's amazing. Yeah. It's really beautiful. In fact, well. My first acting job was in an outdoor production of Anne of Green Gables that we performed at Ripon Lee. Ripon Lee doubled for Nova Scotia, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what I would say is Nova Scotia, Canada must be delightful. <laughs> Melbourne, Melbourne summer doubling for Nova Scotia. You know what? I'm just assuming Nova Scotia is cold because I think all of Canada is cold. Maybe it is a, maybe it is a lush green place like Ripponley. I mean, I think Canada's cold in the winter pretty much everywhere. Yeah. But again, I'm not sure. Canadian mm. listeners, let us know. But um, okay, so it was at, so it's a really Ripponley. beautiful place. Um, it's a really lovely ceremony. Um, there's obviously a heap of people getting various awards. So there's a, like a, um, so basically there's a hall full of, you know, family and friends. And then you're only allowed to clap from, I think, the minute their name is announced until the minute they get <laughs> oh, really? there. Wow. Well, because like, you know, they obviously... Some of those things where they say, guys, we've got a lot of names to get through. Can you please hold your applause till the end of the ceremony? They didn't say that? No, because... They, they made, that's much more complicated what they offered. Yeah, because, well, you do need some applause. I think in a room like that, when somebody we'll is up. getting... But also when somebody is like achieving like a, an honour, like of the country, of some them saying, you know, you have serve this country in a way that you know somebody has nominated you for this honor and you've been approved for this honor like i think it's a pretty big deal you know and so it's nice to have like a moment where you can appreciate them but at the same time they can't you know so i i, I liked it but it did lead to some people pushing the boundaries of you know because that... they have to announce the next person so you have to stop applauding yeah, see, that's, so they can announce that's the next I mean, person it's more complicated i think it's too final line so you deny these people their moment no, no. of applause no no just I, so I that... reckon you say you you hold it to the end or you just let people go hell for leather like what's the harm in like you know it's it, they're getting this honor it might be you know the highest honor they ever receive what's wrong with a bit of you know what you don't want is like everyone's clapping and cheering and stuff and then one guy gets up and there's only like three people <laughs> yeah like the in memoriam at the oscars yeah, exactly. where it starts to become a popularity contest yeah. of people going oh i really well, love that person. person oh i haven't heard of him yeah. <laughs> I'm going to clap louder just to make it look like I do know <laughs> who that director of photography was. Um, okay, so... Uh, Tennis. I went to this... Oh, no, I'll oh. just finish this story. Oh, so I went to this thing. So they had a uh, like I, what I imagine was a high school band. I think they may have even introduced them as like a high school orchestra playing. So they're up the back, you know, doing a range of kind of like high school orchestra music. And they were playing things like, you know, Advanced Australia Fair and, you know, Walsing Matilda and I guess like, you know, that sort of... You know, like what you would consider to be appropriate kind of things but also 
they would eventually just like in their mix of songs that they knew run out of like ones that fit that criteria because it took like an hour and a half or whatever. So there's only so many times you can play Down Under. Yeah. So they would then just throw in something that was kind of like vaguely connected to the theme of the day. Yeah. So it wasn't really a hundred like it was one of those ones where they're going oh well this this counts because it's when you're making so, a playlist so make it so you're making so a, it's all like do they play we are the champions well this is not a bad guess oh. not a hundred percent right okay. but when my dairy farmer father received his order of australia medal for service to, to cricket and the dairy industry yeah. he walked on stage to a high school orchestra playing Celebration. Oh, Celebrate good times, come on. That's great. Yeah, that one makes sense. What they played for your dad was, we don't like cricket. Uh, wouldn't it be great if they all had their own theme? Like yeah. the wrestling. <laughs> totally. Yeah, they'd all been asked, you've won this prestigious honour, yeah. what sort of intro music would you like? Mm. Oh, yeah, like the comedy festival. If you're doing a gig, they'll just ask, you know, what, what music do you want to go on to? They could have that sort of criteria. But, but to then it. it gets really because someone's getting an award for like you know in environmental science. It's right. like what song do we put on for that? Yeah, or it's like or they've written down something really inappropriate. Like they're getting um, like an award I for know. stopping drink driving, but their song is "Too Drunk to Fuck" by the Dead Kennedys. <laughs> it's ironic. Yeah, they're getting an award for stopping racism, but they got come on stage to back in black. <laughs> what? That's weird. Um. So uh, the most inappropriate one that was in their mix that I couldn't quite work out what the connection was was uh, they would occasionally play ba 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 tequila. Oh, tequila. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're already thinking about the after party. They're high school kids, mate. Of course, that's what they're going to play. Da 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 da. West Coast cooler. So I went to this high school uh, tennis camp one year, mm-hmm. and. It turned out that I had a really natural uh, affinity with tennis. Right. Like, in a way that I'd never had with cricket. Like, I really got it. Like, my body kind of and my... Like, what I like to do and my body type kind of suited it. Like, you know, tennis is a game where... Like, the thing about cricket... You got height. That's immediately... Like, my serve was pretty good and I I like playing on the net and I loved running around. And it was kind of the, the sort of running I like to do, which wasn't like... So in cricket, if you make one mistake, your day can be over. Yeah. Whereas like in tennis, like they literally, when you're serving, they yeah. give you two goes. Yeah, yeah. Like this is my game. Like the thing I hated about cricket was I was okay at cricket, except I would make mistakes that meant that you didn't get to keep playing cricket. Yeah. Whereas like in tennis, you just make a mistake and they go, oh, you get a free hit on this anyway. Have mm. another go. And it makes sense why you'd also like AFL as well, because we right. have point posts. But also the idea that in AFL, if you mess something up, you can just run and try to get it right the next time. Whereas in cricket, like you're not allowed to run back on and try to start hitting balls after you're out. (laughs) I didn't ever really play tennis, which is weird because I grew up in like an upper middle class white neighborhood where tennis was everywhere. Every school I went to offered tennis. There's tennis courts literally every school I went to. But for some reason I didn't get into it. And then it wasn't until I got in my late teens I started playing, but it was, I was way too behind everyone else by then. The court, like, because there's a certain rhythm and a way you've got to use your body in tennis, which I think, like, you want to... That's why tennis players start as juniors, because then by the time you're an adult, what you want to start doing is that shit should be instinctive, the right. way you move, and then you start putting all the power and stuff into it, which, you know, I was... I remember beating... There's one kid at my school who was, like, you know, in the first for tennis, and there was some party on the weekend where at some guy's house who had a tennis court, and I played him just, like, one game. No, it was, a, no, it was actually a set... And I beat him. 
I beat him like 6-3. And it was funny too, because I think he started off like the tortoise and the hare. He started like skylarking, you know. Right. He sort of maybe gave me one or gave me two or whatever. Yeah. But he then, tempted fate. We've talked about in this show before when I, you know, played AFL. I was never a natural athlete, but what I was was a big-hearted tryer. Right. You know? And sometimes every dog has his day. Exactly. Exactly. But it was one of those teenage... It's David versus Goliath. It was one of those teenage moments where it started off just him and I, like just wearing board shorts and stuff as you do uh. at those teenage parties and a couple of people watching. But then as word started to spread right. around the party that like hey, Ned guys, was about to lose... There's a tennis game on. Yeah. And Ned's going to lose. There's a game on the court. Come on, guys. <laughs> but it was seriously more... So then by the end, there's like probably 30 kids all drinking and yelling. And so suddenly Ned... His fucking reputation was right. on the line. He was the best tennis player And then he got school. inside his own head. Got inside right? his own head. And Ned I couldn't ran, handle and the I pressure. And ran away with it. And yeah. it fucking like, it really upset him. Yeah. He started like... Well, because you had nothing to lose. He had a bit lose. of a Nick Curios moment. In the, right. in the last two games... Started blaming his family. Started yelling like, at the started crowd. Started blaming because he wasn't wearing shoes because <laughs> yeah. we were playing barefoot. And he but said, were you also playing barefoot? Me, yeah. But he accused me numerous times of me being so shit was uh-huh. actually lowering his game. I mean, that is a great excuse to use, though, right? <laughs> the only reason I'm not beating it's you a Donald Trump is you're so shit yeah. that you have brought me down to your level. Yeah. I mean, that is actually, that's pretty good. Well, they talk about in boxing, like if you fight an awkward boxer, yeah, sometimes, like a left-hander, yeah. normally, it's hard if you're a super like experienced boxer because it's just awkward. So I well, have a left-hander. Theoretically, that could have been coming into play. Or Also, like in cricket, sometimes like they will bring on someone who doesn't normally bowl and they will get a wicket because the batsmen suddenly stop concentrating yeah. on, you know, like all they... Yeah, it's like sending down three fastballs and then the fourth yep. line's super slow. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I am the super slow ball. <laughs> but if they bring on the wicketkeeper to bowl when you're on 200, yeah. suddenly it must get in your head of going, Why they oh, I can't, I, I can't get out to the wicketkeeper. Yeah. And then you start to get nervous and then you've got yeah. nethead. Yeah. yeah. That should be my strategy in life, to lull right. people to a false sense of security in every situation. I mean, I feel like you've brought me down to your level for this podcast, so I <laughs> think it's working. Charlie, the cooler. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I didn't really play tennis again until I was at university. And then I started... <laughs> Sorry, is there a more white sentence than I didn't start playing tennis again until I attended university? I, um... I was right at Rogers. Do you have a do you have any friends no. uh, that you were very very friendly with at some stage in your life and now you don't know? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I got lots. Yeah, do you? Yeah. Okay, so I have one in particular who I would have considered at the time to be my closest friend, and you know we shared a lot of very pivotal moments in our life together. And now we, I haven't seen or heard of him, and vice versa. You know, I mean, Even it's on not like Facebook and shit? no, in yeah. like fifteen years, I reckon. And I'd love to know what he was up to. Like, Have you, you looked know, for him? I've occasionally like kind of done that. And if I run into someone from uni or whatever, I'll ask if anyone kind of has heard or known. And I kind of always assume also that like I'm really easy to find. So if somebody was keen enough to find me, you know, they could find me as well. So yeah. if if he's not tried to, then maybe he has no desire to. But um, was, was there a particular did it peter out or oh so so anyway we went to university together we met on the first day of university we were two actually like i would say and this is probably part of the reason is like our friendship was a bit unlikely because we actually were very kind of different personalities he was definitely an old school like straight up you know like played basketball played tennis played like kept a pretty clean lifestyle you know like really motivated blah 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 like you know, and you know me. Mm. So everyone who listens to this podcast... Will maybe be a cooler himself. Right. 
you brought him down to your level. I'm detecting right. a theme. But we met literally on the, like we were both walking to some induction thing and uh, I, I or he, I can't even remember which, but one one or the other just were like, hey, you know, do you know anyone? I don't know anyone. And we made friends on the first day and became, you know, really friendly. And we ended up living together a couple of years. So like shared a house with some other people as well, but like we had initiated it and we were, you know, we played basketball a couple of times a week and we'd like play tennis together and whatever. And we were very close friends. But I guess because then when we went on our way and did different things, I guess we just went into different worlds. But yeah. I do think like he's probably the one person in my life where I go, oh, I really would like to, I would like, I hope things worked out for him. You know, I think they would have. He was one of those guys that I, I imagine life would have worked well, out there for. Was a, one of my best mates in high school, um, we like, and we stayed friends sort of, you know, post uni and stuff, went to different universities, different careers. And he was living in Sydney for a bit, and we just sort of lost contact. I think I've only seen him once in the last, maybe, geez, 15 years or something. Probably similar to you. And then last year, I found an old school, uh, I found an old school, um, what are they called? The books you get at the end of the year, school record? Um, what are they called? What are they yearbook? Called? Yearbook. And there was a photo from me, a photo of me when I was about uh, 10 or 12 years old, standing with this guy, because we used to have this fate, this fundraiser charity fundraiser and our jobs that year was to run the music and make the announcements so it's a photo of me and him holding microphones in front of this like old you know 80s tape deck blah blah blah. and so i posted it online and was like hey you know me inventing podcasting for podcasting but i thought oh i haven't seen this guy in a while we're not in contact i don't want to put it up if you know it makes him weird so i just cropped him out and put me in and then he posted. Right. I had no idea he even followed me on Twitter. Yeah. And he's like, uh, you know, thanks for copping me out. And I felt <laughs> awful. And like, I, I, oh, wrote, I man. wrote some kind of comment afterwards. Is like, oh, you know, I tried to make a joke of it. Yeah. Like, I have a rule that anyone more handsome than me, you know, can yeah, yeah, the same good. photo, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Sure. Um, but then didn't hear anything of it. And I was just like, oh. I feel bad. Like, I'm not trying to... I don't know. It's just weird. It's one of those things. It's like, there was no reason why we stopped being friends. I right. think... In life, my philosophy with friendships, like I often feel I'm a bad friend because I'm very passive in my friendships. Like I, I believe that, you know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Like the people that I want in my life tend to be in my life. But that's not to say I couldn't work harder to make more of my friendships. And so the way I've moved through life is I've always felt like, well, I'll just travel through life on my path trying to do, you know, what I think I'm here to do. And if people stay with me for that journey, then that's because, you know, they're on the same path or whatever. And, you know, maybe it's not worth, you know, working hard with people that I feel like, you know, there's no, they just don't have the same kind of connection to. But I'm actually starting to rethink that because I'm looking back, like, for instance, when I was in LA in September, I, um, I had no idea you could be sent messages on Facebook. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I mean, probably surprises no one who listens to No, no, no. Well, podcast. firstly, there's like, there's the regular place you can get set messages. Yeah. But if you have like an official page or whatever, there's a whole other well, I think secret a... file where they'll send, I think like I occasionally that... discover that like, is it people that you don't follow or that, something? Yeah, that you're not friends with on Facebook. They right. can contact you. So I found this like bank of like 150 oh, messages. No, I, I, I had that same day. Yeah, I understand right. that day you're like, Hang yeah. on, what? There was one from there was one from Carl Chandler from like twelve months earlier saying, "Hey man, we're going to be in Sydney. You know, if you'd like to uh, come to our show." And so I just had to message him back and say, "Look, I know this is going to sound like a bullshit excuse. I just got this message. I just discovered this file on Facebook. Oh, but I have, and then I forget it's there. Yeah, I only discovered on Instagram the other day that people can send you messages. Yeah, but now your friends aren't going to message you on Instagram though. Well, I mean, always... a couple of people had. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Well, this this Facebook messages thing though, there was a whole stack of messages from people around about the time that Mum died. Oh, okay. And it was all these friends or people who knew mum uh-huh. that and so like it was funny because it was literally like dudes from primary school right who had obviously been following me or had kept an eye on me after you know we'd been friends and they made this effort to just say hey you know just that either share a memory of mum or just you know offer their condolences or whatever and i was so kind of like touched by it and thought i'm at a point now in my life where i think in your 20s you know you're all about rage and define myself and you're very you know, this is what I hate and this is what I love. And, you know, it's all about, like, you've got to be passionate about stuff. And then you get to your 30s and I feel like that tapers off a bit and you just become more focused on li- live and let live. And now as I move into 40, I think I'm getting to a point where I actually want to now start taking stock of the things I've done to this point because I feel like it's been such a charge ahead, you know, blinders on, race to wherever I think I'm going that I want to now stop and look back and actually take note of these friendships I made, you know, experiences I've had and just sort of be a bit more without sounding new age, but like grateful, you know? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I'm spending a little bit more time at home this year and part of it's because I've got some things I want to do here, but part of it's because I've spent the last seven years spending half of my year overseas and just eventually you just miss out on your life. Yeah. You know, because when I'm here, I'm working and on the road and stuff, you just realize that, you know, you go and, you go and catch up with some friends and you go, oh my God, these people are amazing. Yeah. Like, why haven't I seen them for three yeah, years? Well, I just, because I'm never here. Well, I just went to Bali for a friend's wedding and it was two weeks that they'd sort of organized a, a mile out and, you know, like a year out. <clears throat> and so, you know, the whole year, I had a, I had a year this year which was very much about, just about me. Like, I knew that, I wanted to sort of like do some classes, you know, um, really so, like read a lot of books, like all this stuff that I'd sort of been putting off because I felt like I was too busy. But it's a real year of self-indulgent kind of, I just want to try this stuff. And for that, it meant I didn't see my friends a lot this year. There's a lot of things I didn't go to. There's a lot of stuff I just sort of duck out of. And when this trip was coming up, I was like, oh, fuck, man, like, you know, the stuff I could be doing and blah, blah, blah. Get to there. And it was they had gone to so much trouble and it was like, it was really a celebration of their friends. Like they just wanted everyone to get there and have a great time. They'd organized all this stuff. And I felt so fucking lucky to be there that after about a day or two, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like I need to put more work in. doesn't mean I have to do this all the time, but just that expression of kind of, you know, togetherness and come celebrate this moment with this, like really valuable. I mean, I know I'm sounding like an old fart, but it's like, okay, I need to balance out the work stuff with more of those kind of moments. No, well, we had a spontaneous New Year's Eve party here because we weren't going to really do anything. Well, mm. we had a plan to uh, just, you know, three or four of us to have a, you know, a New Year's celebration, you know. And then on the morning, so Amy was here and uh, her work partner, Leonie, who was staying here was also because she had some people there being, being her you know, apartment for uh, New Year's. Mm. So she was crashing here as well. And they're both production designers by, you know, profession. So they decided in the morning, you know what, let's just see who's around. And like, if there's anyone around, they want to come over. And then that ended up as like us. I mean, I did a lot of shopping and preparing. (laughs) It's fair to say it was a good full day's work, but it turned into this really brilliant, you know, they lit the backyard and kind of, yeah, made all this amazing food amazing. and like, you know, we got drinks. They lit and- it like uh, Ridley Scott's uh, alien spaceship, which is a weird choice. But- I mean, but they made choices and that was what was important. And it was brilliant. And we watched both sets of fireworks because they have the nine o'clock and the midnight yeah. and we just, you know, can walk down the end of the road here and, and watch them on the harbour and stuff. And, um, but because it was a last minute party, hmm. 
like it was one of those things where most of the people who came had something else already on that day. Mm. So what it ended up being from four o'clock in the afternoon, probably until four o'clock in the morning was eight different parties. Oh, fantastic. So like some people would come before they were going to their other things. Yeah. So in the afternoon, I, you know, you catch up with some people who just came over for a bit of a drink and then some people would be like, we'll be there for like the nine o'clock fireworks. And we went down and did that with them, but they'd check out. And then there would be people who'd been <laughs> to other parties who like, so it was like, and it was amazing. Awesome. And it was just one of those things where you're going, we were going to do nothing today. Yeah. And through just a tiny little bit of effort and just mm. like a little... And it was so great because it was one of those parties because of the nature of it. I really felt like I talked to everybody well that I wanted to talk to because there was rarely crossovers yeah, where right. I felt like I was ignoring someone. Like someone would tap in and I'd be like, oh, I had a really good conversation with yeah, you. Yeah. And then they'd leave and then someone knew it would arrive and you'd be like... Paul Dooley's, uh, Scott Dooley, friend of the show, Scott Dooley, uh, former guest Charlie, uh, Scott Dooley, uh, to play James Hurd in the uh, uh, James, James Hurd telly movie. movie. Now needle, he's got to have some more. too far. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scott Dooley came over and literally he uh, walked through the door and I walked him back out here into the office and I showed him six minutes of highlights of AFL 360. Oh, man, as you should. I mean, look, we're going to delve into our other podcast territory for just a minute. Yeah. Just the other day, I was riding and I took a break and I was like, I'm going to watch some um, AFL videos. And I just started watching the Saints, like best three wins of the year or whatever, just found it on the AFL website. And then I started thinking about you and I was like, it doesn't matter how many of these games I watch. Like you have the best game. Like I, I would know that game off by heart if I were you. Like I would know the commentary. I would know every play. I could call it. Well, I have uh, just behind you over there, uh, behind that stack of books over there, uh, a DVD. It's like you, if you reach over, you can reach over all those books and it's just on top there at the, at the back. So it's um, it's the DVD of uh, not only the grand final, but also the the all the games, all the finals and, and games. alternate radio calls. And alternate radio calls. So Amazing. you can listen to the game with all the different radio calls. See, you would. It's just, this can last you forever. Yeah. I mean, ever. it can last me forever. I mean, I barrack for a club that still only has one premiership and people still talk about 66. Like, they trot those fucking players out every year. And I'm like, they don't even want to be here anymore. You hear them every time they interview you. They're just like, can someone please just win another one? Like, we don't, we get it and we're honoured, but please. Yeah. We want to die. Yeah. <laughs> we want to stay home for these events. Yeah. These are younger man events. It was 50 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, at Hawthorne, guys from four years ago can't get an invite. <laughs> Because they've got too many modern day premiership players. <laughs> and that's where we end the football chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, back to tennis. Tennis, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I love it because uh, yeah, when people hear this on Sunday, well, they'll know half of the result. But however it goes, it's almost like, and I don't believe any of that bullshit about, you know, 2016 was a terrible year and time, you know, is literally like a made up construct when it comes to that sort of thing. Personally, you know, when everyone else was like, 2016, worst year ever, I was like, Bulldogs won the fucking premiership, mate. No, mate, shut up. My the, TV show the won... The only thing that died was my shame. My TV show won both of the major TV awards this year. It was a great year for me. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you and Donald Trump. Me and Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I was, but that was the other thing I was thinking too. When I was thinking about you, it's like, oh, wow, this like... This uh, event with the Bulldogs like permanently changes who Will is. Yeah, it, it does. It definitely changes our relationship. Yeah, for like, sure. Like so much of, of our, what we bonded over was the fact that we had to lose a club. Right. But now it's like, I don't know, Matt. I feel like you, you know, 
we're, we're like the, those high school girls that, you know, came out of primary school together and stuff. And then you went away for some and came back really glamorous. Yeah. And now I see that all the jocks are talking to you and stuff. And I'm like, well, I hope you'll still hang out with me and stuff. But I can see that, you know, they're going to, they got, they drive, they're a bit older. They're going to get you into college parties and stuff. And I'm going to be like, we're still friends, right, Will? And you're going to be nice to me, but you won't be able to identify with me anymore. You won't feel like the, the, the dumpy one who hasn't hit puberty yet. I understand the analogy you're making, but uh, I'm going to reassure you, Charlie, that I have a completely different way that I look at it. Mm. And it's much more like the relationship between Sherlock and Dr. Watson in that uh, there's accusations that Sherlock only keeps Dr. Watson around and the nature of their friendship is that Sherlock likes someone that they can show off. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it'll just be nice that, you know. Well, you know what? I'm probably one of the few guys you can do that to because otherwise you'd have to be friends with a GWS supporter or a Port right. Adelaide supporter. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're still... and, and Port Adelaide wouldn't even count because they had theirs in the last fucking 20 years. Yeah. No, I mean, he's... Even a Richmond supporter can hold it over you. Over you. No, they can't. Oh, they can in no. terms of club history. Who cares? We won... The... Well, history, mate. Uh, who won the last AFL Premiership? <laughs> Western Bulldogs, mate. Um, so, no, I mean, I think that... It has changed me. There's no doubt about that. I know we, we said we were going to stop talking about football, but... This is beyond football. Yeah, I mean, but it honestly is one of those things where I, I, I literally do not know... It has changed me as a human being. <laughs> like, I think about it every single day. Oh my God, you would. Like, every single day. I've, there's not been a day that's gone by since it happened. And the amount of, like, joy... Speaking of, like, okay, so you know what you're talking about, those human moments, those things that make... When you're like, oh, this is... Because you know what? Football is nonsense. It's made up nonsense. But my career is... Like, what I do for a job is also made up nonsense. It's not necessary to the world. Like, you know, it's a first world indulgence. You know, stand-up comedy and podcasts and TV shows and shit like that. It's the same as sport. It's just made up for the entertainment of actually people who... To distract us for one minute that we're all going to die. Right, exactly. So, you know, and I love it. And I've invested in it and I've decided that's my thing that I care about. And I had also reconciled myself as a human being. Like I'd I'd been on that journey of hope and I had got to the point where I was like, oh, are you willing for the rest of your life to follow and love and, you know, whatever a sport and a team that may never give you the ultimate reward? And when I decided yes, like, you know, you talk about how you're different in your 20s to your 30s Mm. to your 40s. It felt like it was a really pivotal moment in my philosophy of life, which was me going, no, 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 no. I can enjoy this because what I enjoy about this, that it is a parallel for life. In the same way as with my career, I would like to keep trying to be the best that I can be. But you've also got to embark on that journey at a certain point in your life, probably knowing that you will never fully realize that or you will never be as good or as like, you know, the best or the whatever, like chances are that none of us will ever get to be that. So when I resigned myself to that and also resigned, not resigned, when Mm. I kind of just accepted that that was, no, I can love the journey. I can enjoy that. This is what it is. It's about how it makes me feel, but then to, for it to have paid off and me to actually have experienced Mm. the joy it does change my entire life perspective. Of course it Because does. it's one of those things where I'm going... Anything is possible. I mean, I have written... This is so embarrassing, but I'm going to fucking tell you anyway. So I did something really embarrassing today. I had to... It's my worst nightmare. So I just recorded my special for Stan uh, like last Sunday night. Thank you to everyone who came out to the Comedy Theatre. Awesome audience. Um, 
I, I was a bit jet lagged and I, I, it wasn't my favorite performance of the show, but everyone was such a good audience and like, it was good. And, you know, I think it'll, it'll look good. But this morning I had to watch it back to make sure they, you know, edited it in the right way and whatever. And that's a horrible experience for me, particularly in a show where I knew there was a few lines or a few things that just didn't, I quite, didn't quite now. So I knew I would say each of every one of those fucking things like in that moment. But one of the things that like I got me through that was that idea of going, well, of course it's not going to be perfect because you're not perfect. Like it's more arrogant to think that I am perfect mm. and that I would have got it perfect because I'm not, you know, I know I'm not me more than anybody else is aware of my limitations. But I look at that and then I look at that next step. I've written in my notes for my show so many times this year, no ceiling on what you could, this could be. And that was the thing that came out of what, the dogs. dogs did was me going no 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 mm. like don't believe like there's a little thing that i have on my desk i don't have a lot of things on my desk i just moved it because i was moving my rug today but it's uh, it, like you know i'm not a big inspirational quotes person and i say that lying through my teeth yeah, because i love inspirational them. quotes them i love the them all over the place i love inspirational quotes but my favorite one is uh what would you achieve if you uh, thought you could not fail. Yeah. And that's, uh, no, what would you attempt if you thought you could not fail? Sorry. What would you attempt? Heart surgery. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I mean, that idea of going, well, why couldn't I do something great? Yeah. That thing wasn't great. Like, I mean, it wasn't great as in what I imagine great might be, but why couldn't I? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, those, but that, that, that is a constant battle you have with, I've I've discovered something about writing this year, which it's taken me fucking fifteen years to learn. You know, because I did a lot of workshops this year and you know, weekend intensives and stuff, just trying to like just learn more about the craft. You know, I feel like I've done a lot of work and I've, I've read a lot, but you know, you can always I feel like you can always learn more. Of course. And there's this message that came through everything that I saw, which was so disheartening because I knew it was true, but it was nothing makes writing better apart from work. Right. Like. You know, every, I'm sure there are like some geniuses who first draft spit it out. I'm sure that happens. Oh, mate, you hear about um, uh, the Deadwood guy. Like he'll be on set, mm. like literally like writing the lines and then just handing them to actors and say, say this now. Yeah. And he's made some amazing stuff. But, and Aaron Sorkin would, you know, take yeah. a bag of mushrooms and like, you know, shit out fucking West Wing scripts overnight and stuff like that. Woody but, Allen writes every script on a fucking typewriter. Right. But in general... Takes, for the rest of us, if you're not, you know, yeah, well, I mean, if you're not a modern day genius, there was this this script editor that Gemma worked with who had this motto, and it was, "There's no such thing as a good idea. There's only an idea, and then how much work you put into it." And I think that thing of, yeah, sure, I want this to be amazing, and then you get to an end point, like you put your show up, or you know, you record something, or you have a read through, whatever it is, and it doesn't hit. It's the challenge. It's always the, the temptation is always to just default back to. I scrap it. I knew right. it. It's too hard. I'll never get it. But it really is that thing for me, at least. I'm sure other people work differently. Is just by putting the hours in, and it's a grind. It's a real fucking grind. But then something shifts just through the act of actually doing it. I but mean, it's I, a I, hard reminder. Though. So much of it can come from like you know, uh, you can be. I can be like cleaning the pool, right? And I'm there, and then suddenly everything comes together in my head and I know exactly how everything is meant to be. But that can only happen if I've spent previously the hours 
that magic moment where it can all come to me, mm. like it needs me to have put in... Gestating. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, to go back to an athlete's analogy, like, you know, you can probably, if you haven't put in a preseason, <laughs> you can come back and based on your skill alone, have one yeah. good game, but you're going to come back next week and, you know, you won't be able to do it again. Yeah. Like, yes, sometimes you can have moments of inspiration where it all just comes to you, you know. Mm. Um, the dude who wrote Scream wrote it like in a week or two weeks in a hotel room and it yeah. just came out and that's a... You know, but, you, but again, but, those stories are often misnomers. Like they always say, you know, Sly wrote Rocky in three days. Yeah, he wrote the first draft in three days. Yeah. He then did eight drafts afterwards. He had the inspiration. He, about he wrote the, story. the word Rocky. Yeah, exactly. A boxer, and then dollar signs next to it. Yeah, and then a love heart around it. <laughs> and that took him three days. But that's the that's the inspiration, and then yeah. everything else is actually how you put it into practice. But you know, to go back to your your football analogy, like. I follow a team that hasn't had that success, has gotten very close. But I feel like, well, if you're in it for the outcome, you know, you're going to, you, there's 16 other teams, I mean, 17 other teams, like you're going to be disappointed. Like just enjoy the moments. Like there's so many, I have seasons on DVD where we never won the grand final, but there's games I can recall and stuff. And it's like, you know, it's sort of, it feels, what are you laughing at? No, I uh, mean, but that's what I feel like. That's a loser talking. No, I feel like now. That's actually how I will watch football. Right. You know, so, okay, here's the major way. We need to do a football podcast because <laughs> clearly we, we've got to talk about it. But um, I think the thing that all changes, I think from now on, I'll be able to watch Bulldogs games live on the telly. So in the past, oh, yeah, people, I've always talked about the idea that I've been so nervous. There's just been so much build up and expectation that it gets to the point where mm. I can't, I, I will watch every other game in the weekend, but I have to wait until the game's <laughs> over until so I watch funny. that game. I know exactly what you're talking about. But now I don't feel like I need to, at yeah. least for a few years. I feel like I can now just enjoy, you know, watching it. Like I'm like, okay, it's the monkey's off my back, you yeah. know. Now I can just kind of enjoy it. Let's save it for another podcast. Yeah. I've brought something in. Yes. That I think will be of interest to a TOEFOP audience. That, that's good. I mean, the only thing I was going to say about Federer, um, Nadal, <laughs> Williams, sisters, is it feels to me like rather than 2016, 2017 has decided to ease us in with a bit of nos- like welcome nostalgia. Yeah, yeah totally. It's like, here's, yeah, a, well, it's, here's a warm hug, it's guys. It's like the Force Awakens of tennis. Yeah. It's yeah. like, hey, you guys, remember these remember guys? This? You hey! guys like these guys? How good was it eight years ago when this happened all yeah. the time? Yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to take a break first? Oh, yeah, let's take a break. No, let's take a break because we'll, okay. uh, I need to go to the bathroom. And we're back. Yes. So you said you had something. What, what do you have? So um, this was, uh, I found this on, is it, it's Gizmodo, right? It wouldn't be Gizmodo. <laughs> Let's hope not. I think that's a completely different site, Gizmodo. <laughs> Gizmodo. <laughs> I think uh, that would be with a J, right? Yeah, no, this is yeah. J, this is Gizmo as in like yeah, as in uh, like Gremlin. Yeah, yeah, and Gizmo as in a device. Yeah, I don't even know what what kind of magazine is Gizmodo. Some sort of device slash like gr- Gremlin like publication, a, from what you've described. Geez, I don't even. I should have checked the source. It does seem to be like it's fake news. Hashtag no, no, fake news. I don't think it is. I think Hashtag fake news. Hang on, I think it's like I think it's like wide alternate facts. Jeez. By the way, big shout out to everybody who uh, over the time when it the, looks like a tech. Publication. Yeah, it's a tech. It's a tech. Okay. Yeah. So, but yes, I was just teasing. But, <laughs> right. but a big shout out to everybody when the whole like uh, fake news, uh, alternate fact stuff was going that down. Was like, sh- did a shout out to the fact that we were the original, original. purveyors yeah. of fake news <laughs> and alternate facts. So, <laughs> head of our time. 
Uh, so they compiled a list of the five creepiest stories of last year. Oh, okay. And there's one creepiest that, in what way? What what's their kind of description? Well, I won't of read creepy? them all. There's one in particular that I want to read. Okay. But like, so um, the you know the creepy clowns on the rise, for instance. You know, the okay. of creepy clowns. And then there was another story about disappearing shipwrecks. That these like giant masses of ships are disappearing overnight. That Whatever, mate. Something. I went to Bermuda, made it back. Oh yeah, shit. Drop my take that fucking <laughs> triangle. I mean, I ain't afraid of no geometry. <laughs> uh, but this story was Australian. And I hadn't heard of it, uh, and I don't know. Maybe they, they've got like links and stuff. I'm assuming it's legit, but it's it's called the Tromps. Says everyone on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> there's links and shit. It's called the Tromps, and the first line is no, not the Tromps. <laughs> has to be said. You may have followed the tumultuous story of the Tromp family as it happened, but if this is the first thing you're hearing about it, you are in for a wild ride. This is by Haley Williams. I should just credit. Okay, because right, this is not my my words. Haley Williams of Gizmodo. Yeah. Uh, Gizmodo, not Gizmodo. Not Gizmodo. One day in August, the Tromp family of five, husband and wife Mark and Jacoba, and their three adult children, Rihanna, not Rihanna, Rihanna, okay. Mitchell. Does it say Ella. not Rihanna? Yeah, it does. In bracket, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Different spelling. Got into their car and drove away from their home in Melbourne with little warning, heading north. Okay. Who, who are you meant to warn, though, when you're driving away from oh, your house? If you're taking the family out on a trip, you think you'd tell, like, your who? Brother. Well, I go on trips all the time. I Who do I brother. tell? I tell my brother when I go away. I tell no one when I go. I mean, I tell but you go Amy. Away all the time. Yeah. yeah. But no, but if you and Amy were going away, would you tell no one? I tell no tell one. Us. She'd tell people, but I'd tell no one. But you're pointing it no out one's as fucking if it business. was unusual to just not, it's not unusual for people to just take Why it are people telling other people things? Like, why is it what anyone's you, I business? I think you're fixating on a very minor detail. No, but I'm just interested in, like, does everyone tell someone when they're going away? Well, like, I mean, I understand if you have, like, you know, cats to feed or something like that. But in general, if you're just a family okay. going away, right. is it traditional that you would alert people yes. to the fact that you're yeah. going away? If you've got neighbours, you'd say, hey, we're going to be away for a week. Can you take the bins out? Would you? Would you? Yes. What fucking kind of, like... Savage land did you grow up in where you didn't tell your neighbours when you were going away? I'm constantly on the road and I'm never at home, Charlie, so I don't live by other people's rules in these regards. I'm interested. I'm not I making judgments, I did, but I just but literally... Think about it. Like if you I'd be telling away, people all the time. Your, imagine ca if your, I, your cats have to go somewhere, for instance, so your vet knows that you're going away. You know what I mean? Like you're telling someone. Okay, all right. Okay. But I'm still not really you're telling fixating them. on a okay. very, very minor No, it's just... It gets it's, weirder. It's, yeah, but it's just foreign to my world, so I just want to understand. I want to step into the... You know, people don't live their lives the same way as I live my life. Okay. So just to recap, family five, uh -huh. dad and mum, Mark and Jacoba, the three children, Rihanna, Mitchell, Rihanna, and Ella. not Rihanna. Oh, it's, no, Rihanna. It's R-I-A-N-A. -A. I think it's Rihanna. Why did you then, the no, first I time said you Rihanna, said Rihanna, not Rihanna. not Rihanna? I said Rihanna, not Rihanna. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I don't know. Passports, credit cards, and mobile phones had all been left behind at their house. Aside from the phone belonging to Mitchell, the son. Okay, hang on. So they've left behind their passports. Not unusual at this point, unless they're going overseas. Yep. I would leave my passport behind in those occasions. What else have credit they left behind? Credit cards and mobile phones. That's weird. Okay, so if you're leaving your credit card and your Only mobile Mitchell, phone. Only Mitchell, the son, was carrying a phone. He brought it along, but barely 30 kilometers into their drive was pressured to throw it out the car window as they went. So what's happening is, this is the story that's being reconstructed, like, you know, yeah, obviously. Yeah, in, in, yeah, I yeah. mean, of, of course. Yeah. Um, I, Ch uh, Justin and I uh, once were touring through, I think, regional Western Australia. 
and uh, we had uh, one of our managers was doing the driving and uh, we had it picked up at a truck stop uh, mm. on CD, um, uh, the latest Rodney Roode album. Mm. And uh, we were enjoying listening to the latest Rodney Roode album for a, a range of reasons yeah. uh, in the car. And then in one of the coolest moves of all time, uh, the the girl from my management company who was uh, driving the car has wound down the window, pushed eject on the CD player, grabbed the Rodney Reed CD and flung it into the desert <laughs> and just kept driving. And that's I was like, awesome. yeah, that's a pretty cool move. <laughs> I think maybe I've told this story before, but it's worth telling again. We have a friend in common. Uh, we can't name him for obvious reasons, but he uh, was working on a, a TV show up in Queensland. Have I uh, told you this story? I don't know. And when he got up there, it was Friday and the crew had all knocked off early and there's this huge party raving at you know this apartment where all the crew and cars were hanging out and stuff. And so he got straight to the party from the airport, put his bag down, and then everyone you know got drunk and stuff and they've gone over to the beach um, you know, to continue the party. There's bonfire. And so someone's given him some acid. And so he's having this acid trip, he's having a good time, but then he sort of looks around and realizes that everyone he knows has kind of left this bonfire party. Obviously, everyone's gone back to the apartment, but he's new, he's just taken like a hit of acid. Now, I'm not going to delve too deeply into this because obviously for you know reasons, once you said acid, let's not dig too deeply, but... Um, had he been given the acid by someone yeah. in the work party or yeah. someone... No, one of his ex- friends. Okay, so one but, but one of the people from yeah. the thing he was on, not just a random person yeah, yeah, who yeah. was external. Yeah, no, like the party... Okay. The party right. he, so he basically moved to the I think that makes a party, difference. And yep. then someone gave him some acid. Yep. And then next thing he knew, like, everyone was gone. There's a few stragglers, but he didn't know who they were. So... He's lost. Starts wandering. You know how what it's like when you're in a remote kind of beach place and you're trying to fucking get through the bushes back to the main road. If there's no street lights or anything, it's like pitch black. Uh-huh. So he's like crashing around in the bushes trying to sort of find his way back. Gets completely lost. Ends up at this kind of area, like a sort of boggy area. And there's four guys trying to get their mate's ute, like unbog it. So in his... Hang on, what did you just call it? Unbog it. Debog it, get it out of the bog. Unbogged, probably. Unbogged, yeah. unbogged. to get no to get to unbog it. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. I, yeah. They to wanted to debog. The they yeah. wanted to debog the car. <laughs> they wanted to reverse bog. It, yeah. it, I mean, it just seemed like a weird way to say it. Yeah, that definitely was. <laughs> they wanted to gob it. It's so, a reverse bog. So he sees. Can the, you help gob my car? He sees the dudes trying to uh, debog the car. Yeah, sure. And so in his acid-riddled mind he's like well I need to get these guys on side so I can ask for directions so I'll just go out and start helping them and then they'll be so grateful <laughs> they'll ask me uh, if I need any help and I can ask them where the apartment is so he just walks up <laughs> like tripping and starts pushing this ute yep. and he says like the guys are all pushing one two and then they just sort of stop and look at him and one guy goes who the fuck are you <laughs> Oh, really? So they're not help. They're, no. not, they're not happy for the extra hand. No, because some shirtless fucking tripping dude has just come out of the bushes and started pushing their ute. I mean, here's what I would say is I would still be appreciating the, the help, <laughs> uh, regardless of how sus the person was. But would you may not was. say who the fuck are you? No, I'd be like, I'd let him It help. was far north Queensland. You know that what? is a friendly greeting. Here's where I would say it. Once we were debogged, once you had unboggered the yeah. car, I would be like, and you, sir. Who are you, kind stranger, who came by and assisted us in this journey? When I looked down, there were Thou five... Thou has the pupils thus dilated. Help us unboggered our vehicle. Our, util- our utility vehicle. vehicle. <laughs> so the, he scarpers back into the bushes. Yeah. Spends, oh, that, that's heaps less sus. Spends rest Just like he just fucks off. Spends- when they say, who the fuck are you, he runs away. Well, he's tripping. Well, yeah, but now they're fucked there. See, now they have no one to help. 
Well, so you that seem to be more worried about the secondary characters and our protagonist in this story. I mean, I am like the worst reviewer of all time. I know <laughs> you're trying to tell a fucking story, and I'm like, what about this character? <laughs> when are they coming back in? I'm the guy who watched Westworld and wants to go, what happened to Stubbs? Where was the Hemsworth? Where's the rest of his story? So he goes back to the beach and he wanders up and down, finally finds his way to a road and gets to a fucking payphone. He's like, okay, great. My bag's back at the apartment. I can call the bag. Someone will hear my phone ringing. Hopefully they'll answer it and they can direct me from wherever I am. So he calls his bag. Meanwhile, the party is still raging back at the apartment and his ringtone is his like wife or his girlfriend at the time, you know, doing this weird like, just like a funny little kind of like like vocal trill. Right. So everyone at the party is also tripping. So all of a sudden the music stops because everyone hears this, and it starts freaking everyone out. So they're all searching the apartment for this, they find his bag and they're so freaked out they fucking hurl it out of the apartment <laughs> over the balcony and keep going back to the party. So the sun comes up. He's <laughs> finally fucking finds his way back to the apartment. He's walking down the street. He looks down. He finds his backpack in the middle of the road. It's like, it's my backpack. And he looks up and he sees the party. <laughs> Everyone's like standing there waving to him from the balcony. He's like, what? Yeah, doesn't matter. It's fine. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> All right, so uh, this family. The Trumps. The Trumps. Yeah. Not the Trumps. Five of them set out. One of them has a phone. 30 minutes in, he is pressured to throw the phone out, out of the, the window. window. Youngest child. What was yep. his name? Matthew. Mitchell. Mitchell. Better. Good rewrote. The family was apparently paranoid. Worried that the phone was being used to track them uh-huh. and that someone was after them or wanted to kill them. Okay, sure. I mean, it sounds like a family fleeing someone who wants to kill them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if you've left all your identification at home, either that or they thought they were on that new television show, Hunted. <laughs> Have you seen that? No. Oh, oh my God. I've only watched half of the first episode. It's American. And it's already both the worst and best show I'm ever going to watch what in my is entire it like, life. Is humans are the hardest prey? Is it like something like that? Where they so, drop someone in the woods and... Teams of people, kind of amazing race style or survivor style or whatever, but just out of, like, you've got 100,000 square miles or something, which is the hunted zone. It's like three states or four states or whatever. And you just get basically tapped on the shoulder and it's you and a partner. Like, so like a guy and his girlfriend or whatever. And then suddenly you are being hunted by like ex-FBI, CIA. Oh my God, that sounds awesome. Blah, blah, blah. And they like film these people as they try to literally go on the run, go on the lamb. You have $500 like that you can get out of this bank account, but you can ask friends, family, so they're tracking your friends, they're oh, looking man, through your Facebook. I would be so bad Mate. That. That'd oh. catch me in fucking two minutes. Well, because like, not have left the, the first time spot. you go to the ATM to get some money, they got you. Well, they immediately at least know where you are and they know who all your friends are and they're trying to track everybody. It's, I mean, it is yeah. one of those shows where you're like, hmm, oh, there's a trail of donuts leading to this cage. I would be fascinated. Like, because I always have, do you ever have that scenario of like, if you were, if you were being hunted or chased or whatever, what you would how you would cope with that and often thought of it no hiding spots i'm a big person i'm like oh really yeah i'm just a big like, like if the if, if the kind of stormtroopers bust into your house and they're looking for you you've got a you've got a crawl space yeah so like there's firstly in this house well you, behind the lampshade we can see you in the swimming pool here the deck has been built over like oh, the end of the original swimming that's pool where you put and there's a little Frank. space there yeah. where you can literally duck under there and hide yeah. but there's still enough room that you could just kind of like breathe there yeah good hiding space yeah but also just like i imagine if someone like attacked or whatever like i'm big on just the find somewhere you think is like somewhere they won't look yeah and then just never move if you're if you're a superhero you'd be like the chameleon 
Because yeah. you literally just blend into the environment and try not to move. Yeah, that's what I... I think that would be my approach. Yeah. It's just like find somewhere that they probably won't check. Yeah. Like go up in the attic of my house. Like because we haven't checked in there in 12 years since oh, no, we moved in. Oh, there's six people living in there. There may well Rent be. Rent in Sydney is so expensive, mate. I mean, seriously. I that's could like a thousand bucks a week. I should clean that out and <laughs> yeah, get some totally. backpackers in there, yeah. to be honest with you. All right. So the Trumps. Uh, Mitchell throws the phone away. Yeah. They of course, dropped. the millennial. Millennial Mitchell's taking the phone with him because he can't he get away from his... We don't know how old he is. Well, he's still a millennial though, full, right? Well, it just says they're kids. They could be fully grown kids. Yeah, but still he's a millennial even if he's a fully grown kid, right? What if he's my age? Am I a millennial? Oh, no. Well, okay. Yeah, maybe not. They drove... So it doesn't say how old he was. No, they just say three children. Okay. They drove 800 kilometers away to the town of Bathurst, New South Wales, driving yep. for an entire day and night. It was in Bathurst that Mitchell... You're Victorian, by the way, and as am I. And the reason uh, people can tell that is because of how you just said that. Apparently, it's Bathurst. Bathurst. Not yeah, Bathurst. but but, uh, but Victorians say Bathurst. Pronounced the R. Yeah. Bathurst. It's like Prahan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, dickheads. It goes both ways. Yeah. Uh, it was in Bath- Bathurst that Mitchell left the rest of the family, parting ways at 7 a.m. the next morning. The other four continued on to the Janolan Caves. Here, the two sisters, Rihanna and Ella, stole a car and parted ways with their parents, driving south to Goulburn. Okay, so hang on. Mitchell get... gets out at 7am. Yeah. Takes him... off. No one sees right. what Right, so Mitchell goes his own way. Yep. Back to get his phone, probably. The other four drive on to the Janolan Caves. Right. Then Rihanna and Ella get out of the car and steal they steal another car, car and go south. And do we know how they stole the car? Have they like hot wired a car that no one's I imagine in, or you, did they? You crack the the steering column and rub two wires together. I mean, I met, but they haven't like you carjacked someone or something Maybe. like that. There's not there's not that many details in okay. this article. But I, I mean, would, how do they know how to steal a car? If is I, this a family full of people who know how okay, to hot wire a car? Steal, if you'd have to steal a car, jacking it is the easiest. Oh, like, it's the only way. Petrol station. That's I could only steal a car that already had the keys in it yeah 100%, someone, yeah, like, there's 100%. No, I don't know what to do otherwise well, if you had time take something for a test drive and then just try and fucking get the guy yeah but that's car. an elaborate plan it doesn't yeah. feel like they had the when time you're on to, the, when you're on the run when you've been hunted yeah, so I don't, they didn't yeah. go down to, to Janolan Caves Toyota and go <laughs> I want a test drive a fucking Corolla just really super panicked <laughs> haven't slept in 48 hours they're like hairs all stringy like, they're like can we get your credit card details and phone number yeah. <laughs> What we just need is your passport, your credit card details, and your phone number. If you All could. right. So Mitchell fucks off at 7 a.m. Okay. Mitchell's gone. They drive on a bit further to Denolan Caves where Rihanna yeah. and Ella get out and they steal a they car. They steal a car. Their own car and they head south to Goulburn. It was there that the two in Goulburn that the two sisters made a report that their parents were missing before the two of them split up again. So and hang on. Did they drive a stolen car to a police station to make a report? Uh, you can make a report from a payphone. You don't have to be there in person. Yeah, that's a good point. Before the two of them split again. Again, I'd still like to know the details, though. I'd like to know how ballsy they were. Did they drive a stolen car up if to you a police paranoid, station? Which sounds like they were. Yeah. You wouldn't go to a police okay, station. Okay, probably not. That's true. Although we don't know. Like, I mean, we can speculate when we okay. get to the bottom of the article. Sure. Ella left to go home, arriving back at the farm on a Tuesday night and finding the police there, investigating. So hang on, why why are the police involved at this stage? Because they're missing. Because they made the report that the parents are missing, so the police have gone to the farm. Oh, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Sorry. So she's called the because up until that point, there is actually nothing. nothing Well, they stole they stole a car, so Mm. a crime was committed at that point. But up until the point of them 
the, the, the stolen car. There wasn't even a crime in this, yeah, right? That's right. It was just a family going away on a Throw, drive. Well, maybe he's throwing a, throwing a phone out a window. That's littering. littering. <laughs> there's a littering offence and there is a, uh, I guess... There's Once a, again, a, Will picks up on the inconsequentials. Driving unlicensed <laughs> is technically you're meant to have your driver's licence with you at all times. So that somebody was driving unlicensed and there was a stolen car. So yeah. there is... And the missing people. So there's some, some crimes. Jeez, you are the most... Uh, uh, thorough. Pernicious thorough. prosecutor. I mean, look at you. You've played a policeman. You can't yada, yada, yada this shit. You've got to investigate That's it true. all. Uh, so she, uh, Rihanna, Ella arrives back to find the police investigating. She was the first Trump to be successfully located, followed by Mitchell, who caught a series of trains to arrive home on the Wednesday morning. Like a 1920s hobo. Right. <laughs> See, that to me, I mean, unless it was passenger trains. I'd like to imagine that it's the old style, you know. I mean, I'm not even trains. sure what this plan is. Like, that's the great thing about this is like, like, why has Mitchell gone out on his own? Like, why is he coming back by train? Well, that's the whole point. Like, though. why is somebody stealing a car and somebody else is like accurately following public transportation? <laughs> like, it feels like... Well, this is that. Okay. Yeah, that's all right. So... Uh, Will all be revealed? No, okay, that's the point. But that this is the conundrum. All, All right. these, it's it's a series of non sequiturs. But we'll get to that. All right. A Goulburn man driving to Canberra on the Tuesday made a strange discovery. Oh, because their parents are still missing. Okay. Oh, the other three. So, so uh, where are Rihanna, the parents at this day? They, they or would this heading, be revealed when the girls? They kept out the car and kept and kept going, going. north. Okay, yeah, north past um, Bathurst. A Goulburn man driving to Canberra on the next Tuesday made a strange discovery when he felt something kicking in the back of his seat. When he stopped, he found Rihanna. Trump curled up in his ute in a catatonic state. So catatonic means like you can't speak or react, right? Like you're... Hang on, he's in the ba- he back felt, of his ute. But what did he feel? How Stra- did... Something kicking in the back of his seat. When he stopped to look, he found Rihanna curled in his ute in a catatonic state. So I guess the ute is Did a he trait. turn to her and say, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> and then did the, oh, what a feeling. <laughs> Gee, Toyota's ad campaigns have gotten very dark. <laughs> the Trump family test driving a Toyota. Mate, that'd be a great tie-in. <laughs> oh, what a feeling. Trump Yoda. <laughs> so he found her in a catatonic state. She apparently had no idea either where or who she was, okay. let alone how she got there. He delivered her back to the Goulburn police, who delivered her into psychiatric care at Goulburn Hospital. Her sister Ella, meanwhile, was charged with the theft of the car they took from Janolan to Goulburn. So you'd be happy about that? Well, you can't blame Rihanna because she was in a catatonic state. But they took it together, I thought. Well, I mean, that's what you think. But they can't, so they can't press charges. One of them's made home right and one of, of them's not right of mind, you know. Okay, fair enough. Because she can't... You read this is list. so complex. I love it. This is already amazing. This is the worst. I've one. never heard this story before. The two parents were still missing, however. No, I just got the intonation wrong. The two parents were still missing, however. Uh, yeah, okay. All right, sure. The comma fooled me. And an interstate search kicked off for Mark. The comma ja- fooled me. <laughs> We've got the name of the episode. <laughs> for Mark and Jacoba Tromp. They'd been driving back towards Melbourne, but became separated in the town of Wangaratta. Hang on, what? So now they've split up. They've got to Wangaratta, and they've gone... There's yeah. two Wangs, and they've taken a different Wang each. Yeah, that's right. One went to Wang, the other went to Ratta. <laughs> Jacoba somehow managed to get herself to the town of Yass. Yes. So she's uh, driving the car, I guess, still. Well, it doesn't say. They just say they've been driving back to Melbourne, but they came separated. So 
she somehow managed. Well, if it says somehow she managed to get to herself to yes, then okay, then maybe the not. Maybe she's the one who doesn't have the car. Yeah, he made her walk. Where she was found the next day, 350 kilometers away. So she somehow covered that distance. I don't think she walked. Okay, so she's made it to She yes. too was taken for psychiatric care and eventually moved to be with her daughter in Goulburn. But there was one, there was, but there was still one Trump left to be found. Mark, the father, who had been spotted a few times behaving erratically. First, he had dangerously tailgated another car in Wangaratta before being seen fleeing from a silver Peugeot the family had taken from the silver Peugeot the family had taken on the trip. Okay, so he still the has keys the car. In the ignition. Yeah. Right. But he ran off from the car, leaving the keys in the ignition. The search ramped up after a night of heavy rain in the area, with rivers becoming swollen and searchers becoming worried about Mark's well being. He was eventually found on the Saturday, almost a week after the whole ordeal began. He was located by a road near Wangaretta Airport. But so, at this stage has he committed any crime? Well, tailgating, I guess, dangerous driving. <laughs> I mean, driving. their family always got something going on. I don't think, like, but the police aren't investigating because of crime. The police are investigating. There's a missing person. There's a missing person. Okay, yeah. all right. And clearly with some psychiatric issues. Sure. So why did they do it? Investigators believe that the family were never in any danger from an outside party, and they weren't found to be under the influence of drugs, nor did any of them have any previously diagnosed mental health problems. The most likely fact would be that there was some kind of shared delusion, though even the family didn't really know exactly what had happened. As Ella said, when she and her brother faced the press outside the family farm, there's no one reason for it. It's just bizarre. I mean... <laughs> Understatement of the year. I mean, an accurate description, I would say. What do you reckon? It's fascinating, right? Like, it has all the hallmarks of a J.J. Abrams-like pilot episode. Right, where you're like, well, this is all one family, but now they all yeah. have these distinct stories. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can, okay, well, firstly, I can see why people are fascinated by it because obviously it's a mystery and people are fascinated by mysteries. Um, I don't know, like the obvious, the most obvious thing is if perhaps there was some mental health issues that that has played into it, but without knowing whether they've had previous mental health issues or what the ongoing effects of that mental health issues has been, let's just say, let's say just for the sake of speculation in this, so that we're not being, you know, that that was episodic, yeah. that they had not experienced like kind of mental health issues before and they haven't since kind of experienced, you know, ongoing, you know, similar sort of things, that it was just a one-off thing. Is that idea of like sharing a mass delusion something that can happen? Yeah, I reckon probably. 100%. Because like, I mean, start. right. And that's what like, you know. It only takes one charismatic individual to convince people who are evil, easily influenced you've been hypnotized before that's i have suggestion. and you know i mean we talk about even on a sense of like confirmation bias all those sort of things about being in like i mean i have friends like you know speaking about people you know from the old days on facebook mm. yeah there's a few of those people that pop up some pretty uh outrageous views and conspiracy theories and flat earth stuff and anti-vax stuff and whatever where you're like ah well you i mean you believe this like, and you clearly are see, seeing a lot of information that supports this. Yeah, I mean, human history is full of people being deluded into believing something that is true that's not true. So I guess that probably is the do most... Do you want to hear what the experts speculate? I, of course I do. So I don't know. This is a website I've never heard of. Okay. It's called Start60. Yeah, fake and news. Is it really? No, I mean... Expert probably. has a new theory about the Trump family's disappearance okay. you might remember the story of the trump family yeah we just talked about it uh, i do remember it actually yeah 
Uh, da -da -da -da. When they were all found or returned home, the rumors, theories, and allegations started. No doubt you've heard them all. No, I haven't. Really no. Said really please, please speak. give us a recap. Let's stop talking all. back to the articles. It takes a lot longer <laughs> to read. They're not rhetorical. Um, they were on a psycho. They were on psychoactive. These are the examples. They're on right. psychoactive drugs. They had financial trouble. Well, psychoactive drugs is one of those things where you'd immediately. But it said in that article that, that you read clean. that they were clean of drugs. Yeah. So uh, they were mentally disturbed, or they were caught up in a cult. Everything we speculate. Yeah, on. again, sure. But experts have a different theory, and it all comes down to what they describe as a shared mental break or shared delusions. Okay. You might be wondering how they've come to that conclusion. Yes, we are. Article, thank you. Well, medical sociologist Robert Bartholomew, good name for a sociologist. It is, Robert isn't it? Bartholomew. Yeah, I checked. I bet you he wears tweed. Yeah. Patches. They'd yeah. be patches, leather arm patches. Medical sociologist Robert Bartholomew. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to say his Love name. it. And it's Robert, never Rob or Bob. <laughs> Robert. Claims the Trumps oh, fell Bob victim. Oh, Bob Bartholomew. No, it's not Bob, it's Robert. <laughs> the Trumps fell victim to what he calls small group panics. Okay. Quote, most episodes involve normally healthy people who, as a result of a series of unusual events, grow paranoid and literally scare themselves after growing convinced that their lives are in imminent danger. He wrote on his blog on Psychology Today. He claims... Okay, Psychology Today is... Uh, reputable. Yep. A blog. And they have a link. Uh, they have a link, which I'm not going to click. I'm just going to assume sure. that it doesn't go to Breitbart. He <laughs> <laughs> claims fatigue. Global warming is a Chinese scam. <laughs> yeah, that's well, what we're going to find out. Yeah. That it was feminism. Yeah, it was feminism that caused it. Yeah. All these women started marching. Yeah. See, this is what happens to normal families. He claims fatigue and fear cause members of a group to become emotionally unstable. Within this atmosphere of fear, members begin to redefine everyday objects and events in a new light. It is within this context that a car backfiring may be perceived as a gunshot right. or rustling in the bushes mistaken for a monster or a hostile gang member. We've all been in those situations to 100%. a certain extent where I can still like, you suddenly get scared about something and that noise <laughs> means something completely different. Yeah, completely irrational fears too. Yeah. As it turns out, the Trumps aren't the first family to make headlines for simply disappearing. Mr. Bartholomew pointed to several other cases in the past 60 years, including that of an Australian family who claimed they survived an extraterrestrial adventure in 1988. You might remember that case when the Knowles family, not Noel family because, well, he doesn't go to outer space. He goes to Crazy Horse. Well, when he can get in. <laughs> You might remember. By the that way, case. I I I have uh, stayed out of the the Shannon Noel uh, crazy horse because uh, Shannon and I have history that you either may know about, and if you don't know about, you can Google it and you can find it. But uh, um, I got sent that article. I was overseas and like. Literally 50, 60 people sent me that article. Like, first thing they thought was like, Will needs to see this. And I appreciate that. And I thank each and every one of you. But I feel like that Shannon does not need me to be piling on to the fact that he is Shannon Noel and let him back into Crazy Horse. <laughs> That's your... <laughs> maiden speech <laughs> as you run for Parliament. <laughs> My favourite bit of the story, I will say, and again... I'm not here to revel in his misfortune, but the fact that while he was being tackled to the ground by the bouncer, apparently passers-by started singing, What About Me? <laughs> That's not true. That's what it said in one of the articles. Might be fake news. Yeah, right, news. right, but... Yeah, yeah, you, might right, remember, <laughs> you might remember that case, the family that disappeared in 1988. The Knowles family, 
um, thought they were being stalked and nearly abducted by a UFO. They claim they say f- they they saw floating in the sky. Hang on, I just should point out there's a number of spelling mistakes in this article. Okay, so I'm mm, getting a bit nervous yeah, about. Sure. They claim they saw a UFO floating in the sky above the Nullarbor. Well, Mr. Bartholomew believes the Knowles case is very similar to the Tromps, that they were all affected by a combination of stress and fatigue and were simply scaring themselves. Okay. While the Tromp family hasn't said much about their disappearance, other than they thought they were being followed, and it was a family matter, the rest of Australia has been talking, which raises the question, do we have a right to judge this family for whatever happened to them? No. I mean, there is a part of me that even when we were talking about it is like, and I guess that's why I was asking about the crimes. Yeah. I mean, I guess they stole a car and they tailgated somebody and like they littered a phone. And I know why it's fascinating because none of us can explain it. But do we have a right to judge or a right to intrude too much? I mean, I guess a little, but not too much would be my... I don't think... I don't think, I, I don't feel that, from what I've read online about this, I don't feel like people are judging. I was actually surprised by that summation, that last paragraph. I, it's, I think people are more just fascinated. Because, well, that's what fascinates me. It's like, well, you know, I don't believe in aliens or supernatural abductions or whatever. So what is the actual scientific explanation for this? I think that's more fascinating than any supernatural cause that, you know, people might be... I mean, the with. idea of group group delusion is something that I just... I mean, we see every day in, in so many different ways, whether it becomes the like advertising or, you know, like you said, cults or even like we were talking about before, supporting sports or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, you involve yourself in like kind of a group delusion and then you get a crowd of people together who also are believing the same delusion that can become very, very powerful. And I imagine in family dynamics, if you all start to believe one thing, mm. then... Well, you, all you know, if, if they had a very charismatic father... Or mother, one of the two kind of... Or like, kid. I feel like it was the kid. No. I think Had the phone for the last a, moment. Has to be an authority I feel like he figure. was a... No, Mitchell was like, yeah, but maybe he was like a Damien or like, you know, the kid from the Twilight Zone episode who could control everything and you just had to be nice to him. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's all on fucking Mitchell. Like, he's the guy who's thrown the phone away. He's had the phone to the last a, moment. He's come back on the train. No, if this was a good thriller, it would be Ella or Rihanna. Rihanna was the one they found... The cat- one who's... The pretty- catatonic. I think the catatonic, yeah, yeah. yeah she's, if, if this was a film, yeah, if it was a film, here she we would, are talking about. Yeah. How are we going to judge yeah. and speculate? No, no. Well, if it was a film, a film if it was a film, she'd be the Kaiser Soze. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'd realize at the end yeah, she she's like, yeah, she'll she'd, get up and walk out of yeah, the wheelchair. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to hear some more theories? Yeah, of course. Police chief Mark Knight. Oh, that's now a this is uh, also the name of the cartoonist from the Herald Sun. Mamma Mia reposting from the Daily Mail. So make it that what you will. The moldy bread theory. My favorite. This what? Is, Hang on, what? This the multi bread. Moldy. Oh. This is Sergeant. I thought Mark it was like Knight. a multi universe. I was like the multi bread theory. <laughs> no, like the universe is like a sliced bread. <laughs> this is, uh, so everything's in quiet. So this is uh, okay. detect, uh, uh, Police Chief Mark Knight speaking. Yeah. My favorite theory is moldy bread, aka ergo induced psychosis. Ergo? E R G O T? Yeah, ergo. Strangely enough, ergo. It's a policeman term. <laughs> ergo. Yeah. Fuck yourself. Now, strangely enough, Ergo <laughs> or Carb- Australian version of Fargo. <laughs> they Ergo. do the same joke. Ergo, fuck yourself. Ergo, fuck yourself. 
Strangely enough, ergo or carbon monoxide poisoning was my first reaction. Ergo poisoning is a type of poison that occurs when an individual consumes a specific type of fungus okay. found on rye and crops such as wheat and barley. Ergo can cause confusion, hallucinations and other mental health Right, so this issues. is kind That's of like your magic mushroom style. Yeah. You eat the wrong mushroom, you it have a combination of all these things. Yeah. Okay, these ones. But moldy bread, I didn't know that moldy bread could get you Mate, fucked up. Some Let's get bread. some bread. Let's get some bread <laughs> and leave it out in the heat. Yeah. In other news today, what are you, what are you? <laughs> obscure podcast host Will Anatoly Clausen were found dead. Police found crumbs around their mouth. They think they may have tried to eat ergo. Ergo, fuck yourself. <laughs> that will be the headline in the Daily Telegraph. Ergo, fuck our, themselves. Like, they'll post our actual mortuary photos, our dead faces, and it'll just be ergo, fuck yourselves. And then a sub-column from Andrew Bolt why these lefty, limousine lefties had to go. Eating white bread. And then in the middle, there'd be a poll about who did you hate more, Will or Charlie? It's like, I feel like the the telegraph is biased. (laughs) (laughs) Who did you hate more? Whose death did you celebrate the most? (laughs) When you heard they were dead, who did you rejoice in the most? In their 50-50 comments column. It'd just be all those text messages. Oh, the next day. It'd be like... Hashtag fuck Topo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I bought two loaves of bread today. White bread. Fuck you, Topo. (laughs) 50-50. Gary Dennison. (laughs) Uh, second theory, mob trouble. My theory is that there's a deep secret that has yet to be revealed. Nothing medical about it, i.e. they're in millions. Uh, I, For example, they're millions in debt and have a contract out on them. They fled, trying to escape, hence the tech-free right. explanation to the kids. Yep. Got caught by the mob, then some other things happened. Well, there is like a lot of like organized crime in why Australia. Would, why would they throw the, the tech-free things? Because they don't want to be well, traced. Well, so you don't want to be traced. But the mob do that? Yeah, mate. Oh, find the my mob. friend. Find my phone. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, find my iPhone. Mate, what am I talking about? I could fucking track you now. Yeah, exactly. Owing I'm my... right here. <laughs> Spoilers. I'd win that hunting show. <laughs> <laughs> Owing money and fleeing from dangerous debt collectors was my first thought, I have to admit, but it seems deeper and weirder than that, really. It's possible that they are in some sort of trouble, and now, uh, with this bizarre mystery, the whole country and decent amounts of people around the world are paying attention. Makes them pretty untouchable. Right. I don't think that seems like a huge fucking lie to construct with five people. Like, I mean, I think moldy bread is more likely they, than than the mob. Yeah, because they, they all got fu- they to all get got out of the mob. That is like a weird. But they all got plan. discovered individually. So they they either had to have watertight stories when Mitchell got out of the car. Mm. Because otherwise, if you interview five separate people about the same event, you know, for it to match up as it obviously did, you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Exactly. I like, don't think. I don't think it's a mob thing. No. I think it, moldy bread. The mental health theory. Yeah. It sounds to me like an isolated, very close knit family with at least two mentally ill parents. Again, to okay. me, it seemed like an illness the parents suffered from came to a crisis point and set off two other family members. I could see that. Well, that's it, because like uh, some mental illness can be hereditary as well. So. And also, we still don't know how old the kids are. Like, right. if they're young kids... Hang on, your well, I'm going to are... Google that. Let's just find out how old the Trump kids were. Mitchell Trump age, I'm just going to put, and let's see how that works out. Mitchell Trumpage. Sounds like a private school prefect. Mitchell Trump age. The Trump family... Um, all right. Well, okay. Here we go. The Age. That's a reputable uh, newspaper. Uh, oh, no. Okay. This is actually from the... Okay. Let's just see if it has the age in here. Um, You've gone to the Age for the Age? The Age for the Age. 
yeah, that's uh, you know what that that's, that's why it's come up. The age. It's, it's not actually the best thing. I put in age, and it's come up as the age. Yeah. Oh, that that is how old is Mitchell that is very that is very disappointing. Yeah, okay, that's a very good point. All right, hang on. How old Mitchell Trump? How old Mitchell Trump? How old Mitchell Trump? Mark Trump found is the Trump family suffering a foley a du. Oh yeah, what is that? I saw that word. What does that mean? <clears throat> All right, let's. Do you, uh, do you speak French? We oui, we. Oui. Okay, from the Sydney Morning Herald on September the tenth. So this seems to be the. I love how this show has turned into Encyclopedia Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Among the many images gleaned from the Trump family's ill-fated car journey from outer Melbourne to the wilds of New South Wales, along fifteen. This is Chris Johnson writing in the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, the finer details are thin, but the family found Rihanna, or Rihanna. Uh, 29, the eldest child oh. of the successful berry farming family. So they were a bit... Trump berries. Yeah. Uh, here's what we know. Um, so she's 29. She's 29. So the parents, you'd think, would have to be like 50s, late 50s, 60s? Yeah. And then the... Yeah, I or guess 50s, that, 50s or 50s. 50s, or, yeah. So... And look, they look like pretty normal people. How old do they look? Can you see all of them? I would say he looks like early 20s, mid 20s. Well, hang on. I'm going to have a look at this. Okay. So this is. All right. Hang on. That's uh, Mitchell and Ella just here. There's a picture of them. So. Oh, yeah. Well, he'd be like 18 at least. Yeah, 18 at least. So but I would not, say so early 20s, kids. right? And she's 27. So. Yeah. yeah. Who's that? And that's Rihanna, still in hospital. Oh, Charlie's like, who's that? <laughs> Oh. No, not what I was expecting. Hello, hello, Rihanna. And that's the chomp dad. And yeah, he's giving the bird. Yeah, chomp, and chomp Mark. Mom. That's Mark Trump there. And Mum's flipping the bird. Oh, uh, no, that would be kid. Yeah, that's got to be, be Mitchell, Mitchell, probably. But yeah, so. And that's Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce in the <laughs> Adventures of Priscilla, <laughs> Queen of the Desert. So, um, that's not the wow. That's it. That's really interesting. Five days. In all, it lasted five days. And okay, here we go. In all, it lasted five days, but time appeared to shift for the Trumps as if they'd entered some sort of temporal zone far away from normality and the usual chronologies of family life. They had to eat in that time. How come no one saw them eating? It culminated. Um, oh, here we go. The one verified sighting came with its own pop culture reference. The young couple in Wangaratta who said Mark Trump uh, tailgated them after 10 p.m. were at out catching Pokemons on their mobile phones. Fuck off. That could not be any more 2016, that article. It's very topical, isn't it? Uh, it culminated in the news photographs of Mark after he had been If it had been written two years earlier, it's like, they're out planking by the side of the road. They should have literally like released him as a Pokemon and got people to find him that way. <laughs> that would have been, would they have would have got him in like, straight away. There's a family of Pokemon that have escaped. We got him at their front gate. <laughs> um... It culminated in the news photographs of Mark after he'd been found after three days wandering, flipping the bird to the media outside a police station from inside a car, the stress and isolation of what he'd been through showing. It was misread as defiance, but friends say he's not an angry or defiant man. Thankfully, this story with a happy ending, an Australian gothic in which everyone returns to civilization and their families, but it's still a mystery, even to the Trumps themselves. Trump. Standing outside the family home, Expressing their joy and relief, their father had been found safe and well. Mitch and sister Ella struggled to say what happened. There's no one reason for it, Ella said. When pressed, it's bizarre, as formally quoted. In time, there may be an explanation for what triggered this trip to the unknown, but perhaps there won't be. 
as the gardener says at the end of Picnic and Hanging Rock. Picnic and Hanging Rock. Some questions got answers, and some haven't. There you go. So, so it is. A, it's a. It's a mystery. It's fascinating. I love those kind of stories. Copyright Tofop. <laughs> Trump, 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 uh, how long have we done? Yeah, enough. We should uh, go. You've got to go to America, and uh, I've got to write my brand new show, which is now on sale everywhere, pretty much. Um, I think by the time you hear this, oh, so Sunday, I think, is the 29th. So uh, Sydney, the announcement for Sydney uh, will happen, I think, on the 30th. So on Monday, I'll be announcing uh, where I will be doing my Sydney show, and I'm not going to announce that until Monday. Uh, and I can't tell you what date it will be. What I can tell you is I have uh, Saturday night, April the 8th, off the Melbourne International Comedy Festival for reasons that I can't explain to you until next week. Uh, Ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> Tantal, that's a Trump-style mystery right I mean, there. How will you solve that one? <laughs> uh, so that will be announced. I can't, Will. It's just bizarre. I know. It's bizarre. It's just bizarre. Maybe one day the whole story will come out. It will on Monday. Yeah. On, on Monday, the whole story will come out. <laughs> uh, but uh, basically I'm going to Adelaide for the Adelaide Fringe Festival uh, this brand new show Critically Will which I think is um, well I'm hoping that will be you know uh, the best thing that I've ever done I'm certainly at a point in my process with putting it together where I'm optimistic that I'm uh, that it's going to be something really exciting by Adelaide so uh, Adelaide Fringe Festival Brisbane Comedy Festival uh, there may be a special announcement about Melbourne coming uh, Hobart uh, Melbourne International Comedy Festival I am doing the entire festival including apart from April the 8th for reasons I can't explain and it's uh, bizarre. it's bizarre and uh I think uh, the second last Saturday night of the comedy festival will be the night we do the live TOEFOP show. That Is it the 15th? 15th, yeah. April the 15th. Um, so uh, the last two Saturday nights, I'm doing two massive shows at the Art Centre in Melbourne. So if you want to come along to one of those very special shows, the first place I saw Billy Connolly do stand-up, uh, then come along and uh, see those shows as well. Uh, Perth is already on sale. Uh, Darwin will be on sale uh, next week. So... Um, and there are other dates to come. Wollongong, Wagga Wagga, a bunch of... Um... Wangaratta? Fuck, man. If you see a middle-aged couple splitting from a car, call someone. I might do my Trump tour. <laughs> I might go to all the places the Trumps did. Yeah. A little mini Trump tour of New South Wales how and will, Victoria. How Will's are. <laughs> hey, Will, do you like the artwork of James Fosdyke? Mate, I love the artwork of James Fosdyke. Do you love comic strips drawn, drawn by James Fosdyke? Fortnightly. Do you love the comedy of Tofop? Ah. Uh... Okay, but if you had some James Fosdyke artwork that captured the essence of, of Tofop and kind of made it a bit better, would you like that? I love that. I've seen that, and it does make it heaps better. Well, I've got a deal for you. Hang on. Tell Sign me. Sign up to our Patreon page. Okay, for how much? Well, from $1, as little as $1 a month. You get what? You get everything. Well, a lot of things. Not the book. You get everything we have, plus James Fosdyke's Everyone Relax, three-strip comic strip it's panel. Not three, it's not three-panel. <laughs> it's never three-panel. And it's so good. It's I mean, honestly, amazing. it's so good. The, the latest one is the one that is uh, kind of drawn in memory of my cat, Tip, and it, it really... Like, anyway, it's fucking amazing and it's a great pleasure to have James involved in our show and literally from as little as... if A dollar a month. If everyone who listened to the show gave a dollar a month, then... We would have 
200 cents. $200. <laughs> no, but I mean, if you like the show and if you can afford to contribute $1 a month, it helps us out. But, right. but more than that, these comic strips yeah. are amazing and you need to see them. Yeah, you you putting money into our Patreon helps us hire guys like James. It helps us employ a guy like Mike Howell who Hel- does all the fucking best ofs and cuts together the stuff for us all the time. It's amazing. Sean Maluga's photography, like all that stuff that's sort of the bonus stuff. Us to, uh, if we, we've been invited uh, back to the LA Podcast Festival for this year, yeah. if we are able to get to the LA Podcast Festival and make that work, you guys contributing to our Patreon helps us like cover the costs for that and... We may even, if we do go back this year, try to do something even particularly special, and we will need your help for that. But we'll save that for another April time. Yeah. <laughs> You'll find exactly. Out more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs> <laughs>